to Vismaski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levi. Vismaski Classics is the long distance ski championship with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. This is Visma Ski Classics podcast, the Living You to Levy, and today we are talking about Vasa a little bit. We are sitting here in Mura, right above the uh, the Finnish area, and I have some really special guests here. I have my co-host, of course, uh, Simon Östersen. We hosted the or pro- the, the podcast today, and I have. Jürgen Brink here, three-time Vasalopet winner, and I am your host, Teemu Virtanen. Simon, let's talk about the today's race a little bit. Let's recap it. Vasalopet 2020. Yeah, it was uh, when we woke up this morning. It was uh, <coughs> quite heavy snowfall, and it was snowing during the night. So it was about uh, 10, 15 centimeters of snow in the track. So we were a bit, um, we were expecting quite a slow race actually. Uh, for a long time with a big group of, uh, of racers and uh, but quite the opposite happened actually and uh, we got a we got an early breakaway with uh, with some strong skiers uh, some strong names some of them been on the podium before uh, on the chest and to uh, Sista. and uh, and then they, they put up a quite high speed uh, if you take the condition consider the con- conditions so uh, they got a gap uh, for about uh, three and a half minutes uh, on the most I think and uh, so, so the group behind, they had to, at some point, they had to, to pick up the pace as well. And uh, we saw that uh, before they reached Evitsberg, uh, Petr Eliasen, he was, uh, he was leading the, the chasing pack. And uh, actually already there, we can see there were, there were some gaps between, uh, between the racers. And um, when we got to, to the famous Lundbeksbakkerne, uh, we could see that uh, the front group also started to, to crack a little bit. Uh, we saw that uh, Tulev Sista and... Um, and Iwatera were the were the strongest guys in the in the leading pack. So, and then um, uh, Petter he got away together with uh, with uh, Stian Holgor from Team Kuteng, uh, and they caught up with uh, with the leading guys and uh, from Oxberg uh, and all the way to the finish line. It was uh, I would say it was uh, it was about about those two guys. Uh, and then we got a chasing group uh, group behind with uh, Jarlom and um, Klaus Nilsson uh, from Jürgen's team. Uh, they worked together, and uh, Tour uh, Life. I'm sorry, uh, he was he was really strong, and he managed to to stay with those guys. So we had uh, we had Petr Eliasen and um, and Stian Hulgor working together in the in the lead, and then we had Tudas Jardal, Klaus Nilsson, and and Tulev Sista chasing them and fighting for the for the podium. Um, and we were <coughs> we were expecting Petr to make a move uh, before the before the last uh, three four hundred meters, but. Uh, those two guys, they worked together, uh, and uh, we got a we got a sprint between them. Uh, we were kind of expecting uh, Stian to, to take that one because he's on the paper, he's the fastest one. But uh, it's uh, it's something different when you sprint after ninety kilometers, and and both of them had worked uh, really hard for the last thirty kilometers. So Petter he uh, he stayed on Stian's uh, back skis uh, for uh, for the last hundred meters, and uh, he got out on the side when it was about uh, you know fifty sixty meters to go, and. Uh, he took that sprint and he won his second Vasalopa after a really, really strong performance. And uh, I know Stian, he was really disappointed, but, uh, you know, he's been um, on the podium here for the last four years. And of course, when you're so close to the victory, it's it's a bit disappointing getting number number two. But I think he'll be happy when he, in, in a couple of days. And uh, then uh, then uh, Tulev Sista, he, he managed to to take the, the third podium uh, after beating beating both Tudas uh, Jardon and Klaus Nilsson. That was, uh, that was re- a really strong performance from him, from him after being in the breakaway for, uh, for such a long time. So I would say that the men's race turned out uh, much more exciting uh, than what we had uh, expected uh, when we saw how the conditions were this morning. The women's race was very yeah, interesting uh, as well. That was interesting as well. And this is, uh, this is the only race this season where, where the women start together with, um, with the men. Uh, and uh, we saw earlier that... Um, that Lina Koskiren and Britta Johansson were uh, were the two strongest women, uh, and they got a gap to down to Katarina Schmutna. And uh, in the early part of the race, uh, Astrid Erislin was together with Katarina. But uh, 
she had to let her go after just uh, a couple of miles. Um, but then, you know, as we saw, saw on the broadcast that Lina Koshkin, she was really, really strong today. Um, so, so she dropped, um, dropped Britta after, I think it was after Evich Berg, uh, halfway. And we could see on the, on the pictures that she was, she was so strong today. And, uh, she managed to get in among the top 60 in the, in the overall total. So that's, uh, that's a record among the uh, among the women. Uh, the best um, performance before was Justina uh, Kowalczyk, uh, number seventy one. So, I must say I'm I'm a really impressed by the by the performance that uh, Lina showed us today. She was she was so strong, and um, also Britta. She is I guess she's maybe a little bit disappointed uh, coming in here second. I guess she was hoping for her her third victory and the same number as Jurgen. Uh, but um, you know today Lina was better today. It's no doubt about it, and um, you know the time gap was over five minutes in the end, I think. So, but uh, you know, a, a second position, second place here is is also great. And then we had uh, Katarina Smutna in uh, in the third place, and she was pretty much racing by herself and the other ma- male racers, of course, uh, for the last I don't know 70, 60, 70 kilometers. So, I think for the women, it was I think it was a tough race because there were. Uh, the time gaps were they were quite big, um, so you know with the conditions we had today, it was uh, definitely a, a really tough or, tough effort for them. But uh, I'm impressed by the by the first ladies here. I really am. Indeed, it was a really an interesting and a special race, uh, much different than we expected, as as you said. But next, we'll talk about today's race and Vasa Lopet in general. So Jürgen Brink, Vasa Lopet, today's race was really exciting because your team member Klaus Nielsen he was fifth. You must be really excited. You psyched. Yeah, we, it was a great performance, and uh, the whole team made uh, the best races for this year. So uh, we cannot say anything else than we are happy, of course. Uh, speaking of Vassalab, you are the three-time winner here, and we're going to talk about the, the today's race, but of course, your career and, and your experiences, and also Siemens. Siemens done there. We've all done the race. I've done it like almost 20 times as well. Vassalab is a special race. But now, like you're standing behind the kind of the scenes now and looking back, and so why is Vasalopet what it is? Uh, it, it's a good question, but uh, for Sweden and in skiing in general, it's uh, um, yeah, it's um, motivating people. It's good for the uh, skiing industry and uh, yeah, for the whole skiing family, you can say. So it's a big, big engine. So. If you see in this region, Dalarna, it's a lot of people and uh, it gets a lot of uh, yeah, commercial things uh, going on here. So uh, it's important in, in every level, you can say. So, Yeah, I've been told that uh, there are three brands, the three biggest brands in Sweden. I think the number one is Coca-Cola, the second one is Ikea or Ikea, and third one is Vasalop. So that's pretty impressive. If Vasalop is the big, third biggest brand in this country. But Seaman, today's race. It started a little bit differently. I mean, of course, slow beginning. It was snowing pretty heavily. The first climb, it seemed, okay, it's going to be really slow. But we had the first climb point there. Yeah, we had. Uh, we were not. Uh, we were a bit uncertain whether the guys in the, in the total of the climb uh, competition were going to fight for those points or if they wanted to just, you know, slow down and save their energy. But uh, as we saw... Both Morton and uh, Andreas Holmberg, they put up a sprint there. Uh, in my opinion, maybe not the smartest thing to do after just three kilometers of racing uh, to start sprinting there, especially when uh, for a guy like Morton, he has such a big lead in the in the overall there. So I don't know. It's it's impossible for us to say whether the result would have been uh, any different for him. But um, I think it's uh, I would not have sprinted there. I think, uh, but um, it's. Uh, I think it's it's nice to have a, a climbing point there, and uh, but it's maybe it's uh, a bit too early. I don't know, uh, but we were uh, we were discussing whether the guys would sprint or not. But uh, as we saw it, uh, it ended up with a with a tight sprint there. Uh, exactly, that's what they did. But Jurgen, I mean, this the first climb. That's what Barcelona is known for, of course, for the length and all that. But also the first long climb and all the people kind of stuck there, sixteen thousand people. You've done it so many times. Uh, how did you always kind of approach it at the first climb? Uh, well, uh, the first time I did the uh, Vasa Loppet in 97, it was a real tough race. It was really wet. 
and uh, I heard a lot of stories before from older skiers that uh, you have to go maximum speed from the beginning and uh, the whole way up. So I thought maybe, yeah, they uh, are only talking. So, <laughs> but when I was starting in '97, the first race, uh, it was uh, yeah maximum speed for me. <laughs> so it was uh, just to go as quick uh, you could in the first hill. So it's a challenging hill, but uh, over the years it's uh, yeah been more as you say, overcoming and uh, not easy, but uh, more easy, if you say so. And Simon, how was it for you when you did the race? The first uh, time? As, as you can say, I think you, you learn how to handle it over the years, but uh, uh, I don't, I, actually, I don't remember the, the first time because that was, yeah, that was back in, as we talked about, 2005. Um, and that was, then we used kick wax, so we didn't double pull as we did uh, the last years, but uh, Sure, I think the I think the first kilometer before you get to the to the uphill it can be even worse because you're a bit cold when you stand there on the start line. You've been standing there for maybe ten minutes. Uh, often it's it's very cold in Seattle, or has been for for many years. It has been been really cold there. Uh, so, I I often felt that the speed uh, the first kilometer was uh, was really high, and especially when I got a bit older uh, with all the young fast guys coming up, you know uh so but uh you know it's it's the the, up, the first up it's, it's steep but uh you learn how to handle it and you learn that uh the race isn't uh that's not where the race is uh you know settled it's uh you need to stay calm and uh, you know just take your time actually and after that long climb that as you said three kilometers that's it only the first three kilometers but after that so a really long stretch in a flat part all the way pretty much to monks budenant Couple tiny uphills, downhills, but I wouldn't call them. Uphills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty much flat, which is also again kind of an, an unusual, you know, section. And but in today's race, we saw some action there as well. Yeah, we saw that uh, the guys that were uh, were in the in the lead on the on top of the climb, they they continued to to push the to push the pace in the in the kilometers to come. So uh, they got away in the in start. It was a quite a big group. Uh, and as we mentioned, there were some some really strong skiers. There's some strong names, and uh, I would say they applause for them for making the the race much more interesting for us uh, that watched it. And uh, as we said before, I think the race it turned out to be much more interesting than I that I hoped for when we saw the the conditions and how uh, how heavy the snowfall was. So, um, that was um, that was really interesting, and um, I think it's it's important to have skiers that. That are offensive and that want to, you know, try to do some something different, maybe some something unexpected, uh, even though it's the odds are against them. So that was uh, that was nice to see, definitely. Jurgen, did you expect a breakaway like that? Yes, I did. <laughs> you did actually. <laughs> it's uh, always uh, someone who who wants to try. So it, it was. Uh, I said that to the skiers uh, that uh, someone is going to try. And uh, just to stay cool and look uh, who, who is in the leading group and look who is in the same. So um, you have to be aware, it can break, be breakaway, but uh, when you come to Evertsberg and after that, then you really have to be um, yeah, focusing on the, the good skiers, if you say. Uh, so, yeah. But this time the breakaway, they were actually, uh, like Simon said, really strong skiers there. Because quite often we get breakaways by unknown skiers uh, mm-hmm. or sort of, wouldn't we call it, but not the, the favorites, let's put it this way. Uh, but this time we had podium skiers there. We had really strong ones. So uh, maybe must have been a little bit different. Yeah, but I think also it's uh, when you're a big group, it's, uh, it's like a machine who's coming. You can save some energy. And as we saw, it was a really tough conditions to be in the front. So they have to, um, yeah, maybe spend more energy than the other in the group. So, um, but we also saw like Andreas Nygaard, who was uh, maybe really strong today, but who was far away in the in the group, far back. So maybe he was, yeah, trying to save energy, but he lost the leading group. So it's a um, it's a game <laughs> to play. Speaking of the game, Seaman, do you think that was a good tactic, you know, for, you know, for two, Yedal and, and uh, Nigord? Of course, they ended up fourth and sixth, you know, but they were quite far behind at one point. 
I, it's hard to tell because uh, uh, he he ended up fighting for the for the third place, and I also think that he was. We didn't see the the, the chasing group when they entered the Lundbeksbakkerna where where Petter got away. So uh, we don't know how far behind the uh, and Andreas uh, were at that time. Uh, but I think it's it is like Jürgen said. It's uh, it can be. Uh, if you're too far behind, too calm in the pack, if you can say that, it's that can be dangerous. And uh, like for Andreas, if if you lose the lose the the guys, you get away because you are you are too far behind. It's uh, that's not good at all. Uh, but um, we didn't see the, see the pictures when they when they entered the the uphill in in Lumbek, so it's it's hard to say. But um, you know, it's it should be expected at least for those guys that are so experienced that this is a key this is a critical part of the course we need to be we need to be in the front we need to have control of our competitors so i don't know, so, know. jürgen you did your race you said 97 was the first one you you did how much has things changed since then we of course used kick wax and things like that it must have been really different nowadays when you're standing here 2020 well uh, 97 i was not uh, thinking of double pulling, this I can say. <laughs> Probably <laughs> <So> not. <laughs> and uh, I was not prepared. It was like, yeah, as a Swede, you have to do Vasaloppet. So it was, um, yeah, I had no other uh, good plans. So uh, yeah, this year I can make Vasaloppet. So of course it's a big change uh, from uh, this Visma Ski Classic uh, with more professional long distance skiers and everything so and also double pulling development uh, of the technique and so on but uh, i remember in 97 i was uh, skiing quite good in the first uh, 60k maybe i was in the second group uh, like top 10 maybe and then i was uh, really hitting the wall <laughs> so uh, i think i lost like 10 minutes the last uh, 10 kilometers of the leading group and then I said, I, I'm never going to do this uh, shit race again. But uh, <laughs> I, I did it the next year, and uh, 98, and I got uh, number nine, I think, ninth place. So, and then it was a record, uh, the former record was a, was a record. So it was a different experience. Then I was much more, uh, yeah, not prepared, but a different feeling when I was. Um, reaching the the finish line so then i was oh this is can be something maybe in the future but do you think that as an athlete and particularly if you're focusing on long distance you need to hit that wall just to kind of know what it takes and seaman <laughs> told me earlier earlier today when he did the uh, tv broadcast that he has hit that wall a couple times in, in this particular race yeah yeah i i hit it many times and uh, i remember as i told you team when uh, that was back in 2011 when Jürgen and i was skiing together uh, I had hit the wall in uh, Oxbury and Jürgen, he was on his way up. So uh, I know that feeling for sure. But I think it's, you know, he hit the wall the first time he raced. Uh, while I had my first experience here was, that was a quite good experience. Maybe the best one I've ever had in this race. So it's, uh, it can be, I think to have a, you know, to have the first experience to be positive. I think that can be quite important as well for the, you know, if you want to, to come back. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I think if my first race were, had been a really terrible race, I think it would, it would definitely have been harder for me to, to come back here. Uh, but uh, I got po just positive memories from the, from the race, the first race I did in 2005, except from the crash in the last uh, one and a half kilometer. But uh, Despite that crash, I was I was really satisfied with my performance, and you know the feeling I had during the race was uh, was really good. It's uh, <laughs> so good. I, I never had that same feeling afterwards. So, I, but uh, for sure, I think you as a uh, top athlete, whether doesn't matter what kind of sport you do, it's I think you need to hit some walls a few times, you know, to learn and to take experience from those, and you know, to become a to become a become a better athlete. I think that's important. 
and both of you actually started as a standard distance skiers, not the long distance skiers, but then you became long distance skiers. And you, Jürgen, you have you've even done biathlon. You've done all kinds of things, you know, and, and of course, uh, World Championships and Olympics and so forth. Uh, when you kind of go back, you know, and uh, walk down memory lane, your memories, the, the greatest, first kind of the regular sort of career, the, the skiing career, and then the long distance. What are the best ones? Uh, I can say one thing first. Um, I test uh, yeah, many different di- disciplines, and uh, one guy said that uh, you can try Nordic Combine also. So maybe next year I start Nordic Combine. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm just joking. But uh, well, that'll be tough though if you're gonna y- do. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But uh, as you said, um, traditional skiing was the main focus in the beginning, and uh, long distance skiing was just for. Uh, recre- um, yeah, recreational thing. Yeah, and uh, this was not the the focus. But um, uh, then uh, Vasaloppet also got bigger when uh, Visma got in the circuit, and uh, uh, I was also doing doing as you said biathlon for uh, three years and. Um, it was a different uh, experience with Wolfgang Pischler as a coach. So um, it was a different training and a different attitude, as you said. There you get a, a training plan for every day and just follow. Before I was more like of my my own coach. Uh, and uh, that's more the maybe the Swedish way, uh, where you have more dialogue with the coach. So, um, but... Um, then I started in 2010 with long distance, but uh, uh, I was uh, in my mind I, I gonna retire after uh, this biathlon um, session. So uh, then I, I'm going to um, uh, start in the Vasa Loppet was uh, before I quit. So I did that and uh, I um, was winning the race. It was not. Yeah, w- what was in a plan before the season, if you say. But, uh, but did you know that you were so good before the, the, the Vassalop of that year, in 2010? Or were you surprised as well? I stopped biathlon in January, and then I thought, um, I have to do Vassalop uh, when I'm uh, good trained. <laughs> so then I had a focus on Vassalop for uh, more, a yeah, little more than a month, and I did some races. And I remember I did a uh, race in... Um, Tartu ski marathon two weeks before and then was the best skiers there and I got second be- uh, after Anders Auckland I think so there maybe I I was thinking that I can be in the top at least not maybe not winning but I can be in the yeah, far up in the result list. So then when you won how did it feel you must have been like really surprised wait wait a minute I actually won Basel a bit. Yeah, it was a surrealistic uh, feeling, actually. <laughs> uh, you have seen uh, a lot of skiers winning. Uh, I have um, been sitting in front of TV many times with a breakfast, eating, uh, doing other stuff, looking at TV. You can read maybe a little. And uh, yeah, you can do a lot of things during the race. But uh, uh, And you're brought up with Vasa Loppet, I think, as a Swede, and we have, uh, this is something that you really want to win, I think, as a skier. And then after that victory, because you said you were going to retire, there was a, you were doing biathlon, and it, you were kind of thinking that's going to be my last year, and then suddenly you won. Is that when you decided, that okay, actually, I'm going to continue my career, do a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, actually, it was, uh, like, plan was, uh, I'm doing this one more year so uh, but it was uh, I was doing it for uh, nine more years so it was uh, a bonus in my career you can say so I'm not regretting this um, what I did but uh, it was uh, yeah some more years than expected but then the second one okay the second victory then because you were kind of the first one was a surprise but then to come back and redo it and then again that must have been a bit different. I mean, did you feel the stress, the you know, kind of the pressure on your shoulders? Yeah, absolutely. The first year was uh, uh, really calm. I had no pressure, just to uh, go out there, have fun, make your best performance uh, that you can do. And uh, second year was a little, m- yeah, a little bit more focus on the, the team and, uh, of course, me as a um, yeah winner for the 
2010 race, but uh, you have to stay focused and try to uh, uh, save energy and not doing so much things <laughs> I, um, that can yeah that you can lost energy for the race. But that at uh, 2011, that was the race that you talked about, Simon, earlier, that you were actually feeling really good, like, correct, that was the one. You no, like, that was some years after. But I I, this, uh, we talked about 2011 race as well, but uh, that was when we were, um, when uh, when Yeri put up a high speed in. Oh, that's uh, the one. Yeah. In before Riesberg in the Uppelster. And uh, <coughs> we were a group of, first we were five people, and then Jürgen and some of the other guys uh, caught up with us uh, between Riesberg and... Um, and uh, Evertsberg, uh, and then uh, I think you broke your pole, uh, if I'm correct. Yeah, at the lakes before Evertsberg, I think it was 5k before uh, Evertsberg, and uh, it was the basket who, who um, was uh, gone. So I had to ski uh, almost with one pole. I cannot push with the left one, I remember. So. But you had kickbacks back then? Yeah, I had it. But I lost, I think, uh, one and a half minutes after uh, Eversberg, so um, uh, uh, it was a tough situation. <laughs> How do you handle a situation like that? You know that you were a winner from la- the, the, the previous year, and then suddenly you have a, like, a mishap like that, and then you just kind of lift yourself up and, and boost yourself up, and you were able to win again. It was really tough, I remember, but uh, I was also in a positive mind mindset, you can say. I had a, I know I had the good skis and the feeling in the body and the, yeah was really good I remember so uh, I was yeah you go like five kilometers and then you reevaluate and then five more and then in the beginning it was uh, steady state and I did not yeah, lose any time and then I was catching up uh, some seconds five ten and was one minute and um, less than one minute and then you also get stronger. So I, in my mindset, you have to just go as fast as you can and see what happens. And Simon, when he passed you, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I what, did, what were your I thoughts? Did, I didn't get stronger, I remember. Uh, I, I remember he he flew by me, I think, uh, one or two kilometers after Oxberg. Um, and I had, I was, uh, I had blown up in uh, Lundbeck's Bakken, so I was, uh, I was really tired. Um, and uh, I remember I, I had no chance to to stay with him. I think you were you were skiing with together with. Um, oh, uh, Andreasson. Yeah, yeah Richard Andreasson. Okay. I remember. Uh, so, but I, I I don't think I was on your skis for five seconds. So uh, I think our our roads they crossed there. Uh, so I think I lost like five minutes or something. Um, but I was. Uh, I remember. I thought when you when you when you got past me that I would. It was. Uh, it's still some work to do, but uh, it's it, that was impressive to to take the win after being minute and a half behind, and especially with those three guys uh, up there in the front with um, with Anders Auklan and uh, Jari Alin and Sander Sjöldrechuk. They were really strong, uh, and though they were the you know they were the best uh, long distance skiers that. Uh, at the time, together with uh, Jürgen and, and Jürgen Brink, so uh, you know to catch up those guys and uh, even win the sprint, that was uh, that was a strong performance, for sure. But I also think uh, that year was, uh, as you said, Jerry set up a really good pace quite early. So I think many skiers was uh, quite tired in the end. And then the third one, you won three times in a row. That was the second one, then the third one. That would must have been a little bit different again. Even more pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you can say. Uh, of course, it was uh, more spotlight on me on the third uh, win. So, And before, uh, yeah, it also, um, it takes more energy to uh, to win again. It's uh, a lot of uh, stress moments that can uh, yeah, bring you out of focus. So... Um, yeah, it was, uh, but I was uh, maybe the third year I was uh, in my best shape, I think, overall. So uh, I will not say I had control, but uh, it was, I never felt really tired in any way. So it was also a very quick race, of course, but uh, I had a feeling that I could, could um, yeah, go faster all the time. So and that was the time when you broke the record. 
Yeah, exactly. Three hours and 38 minutes and 41 seconds, if I remember correctly. That is the time. How did that feel? I mean, in skiing, of course, we don't have it. We still have at least Vassalo, but we have records, you know. We broke one today, then Lee and Lena could screen, but they're kind of important to people. Yeah, we talked about it, uh, I remember, before, about it was very quick. And I remember, uh, I think, um, at the relay last on Friday, it was uh, really icy. And we thought, uh, it's going to be a record year. But uh, during the race, I was not thinking of uh, the record uh, for one second, I think. It was only uh, being in first in Mora was my goal. So... But uh, then, it w- of course, it was a really good bonus to have the rec- record. Did you get anything? Uh, presumably, you get something, the, the car or something, if you break the record, correct? Or did you get anything, any special prize? Yeah, at that time, it was a car. So, uh, first time I got the car in the prize, so <laughs> I will not... You still have the car? <laughs> Actually, I have. So, uh, I'm uh, driving this car today also. So, it's still there. So, it was nice. really good for you to break that <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it was good actually. I think records uh, records are um, those are important. You know, it's uh, even though the in cross country, it's you know the conditions are different almost every time. But uh, I think it's uh, you know it's a reason why people are uh, are on Strava, for example. You know, chasing the records on on different segments all over the world. So I think that's uh, it's an it's an important part of the part of the game to. Uh, you know, to have some some records to to reach after it's, uh, I think that's nice. It is important. I mean, spe- since we are speaking that particular year, uh, 2012, I was in the race as well, and I always re- remember it that I didn't break the four hour. I was four hours one minute was my time. I was like, ah, and I'm never gonna be able to do that. I'm an old man now. But yeah, records are important. So, but then today's race, uh, going back to it, of course, after Monks Budena, long downhill section, uh, then and then the kind of the middle section. A lot of people are. Uh, say that that is kind of a tricky one even when i talked to Ida Dahl the day before she was a bit concerned about that kind of the middle section if you put it this way yeah it's uh it's a quite tough section with uh you know you have the quite long uphill up to to the, the checkpoint in Riesberg uh, and then also from uh you know the first five six seven kilometers uh, after Riesberg it's uh quite hilly it's uh, you know the terrain is rolling a bit up and down and even though the the uphills are not uh not the longest ones they are they're quite steep and uh, you know if uh, if the conditions are right it's a place where you can uh, you know pull up the pace and try to to make a move there if you're strong but um so it, it can be it can be tough and also you, when you come to average bag you have uh, you've been skiing for 47 kilometers uh, you've been out there for uh, like the conditions were today, m- more than two hours, almost two and a half hour. So of course you're y- you might start to get tired, and uh, you know you start to feel how how your body really is. So it's um, I think it's um, you know it's it's a part of the course where you start to feel whether I'm strong or not today. So for sure, it's uh, that's an important part of the race, and uh, as we talked about. Uh, this is a part where uh, where the strong skiers have, uh, you know, been skiing fast before, like Yeti in, in 2011, and you know, yeah. And we also had two uh, sprint points there: one in Mongspudena at 24 kilometer, and the second one uh, in Hevetsberg uh, <coughs> at 47 kilometer. Uh, and of course, Dianberg performed really well; he got the points. And there was interesting race uh, between Lina and and Britta there for the points. Yeah, they had uh, had some. Uh, there were some tight sprints between those two uh, two ladies, and uh, in Evertsberg, uh, Lina was uh, some centimeters before uh, before Britta, and uh, so now she, she is. Uh, I think it's three points ahead in the in the overall uh, competition for the for the sprint jersey. So that's uh, that's a close fight. And uh, as you said, Stian Stianberg from Team Kafbrugeri, he took uh, both sprints both in. Uh, Mongspulana and in uh, Evertsberg, so I think he's he was he was strong today today, and he did a really good job in the, in the breakaway, and uh, for sure his goal was to take as many points as possible, uh, and he got uh, he got hundred uh, out of hundred points today, uh, while Max Novak, the guy in uh, in second place in that competition, he didn't get anyone. So I think he has uh, he has gotten himself in a really good position for the to take the the green jersey home after the season. It's uh, 
it's three more races to go, but uh, there are no points to sprint for in uh, in the Bitcoin race. So it's it's actually just two races where they can fight for points. So I think it's uh, there will be no surprise if he if he takes that jersey home with him. Jürgen, for you, how was this the, the, the kind of the middle section from Mungsbord and until Evertsberg and a little bit after that? For you, when you raced it, was it kind of your favorite part, or you know, was it kind of a tricky part before the uh, the Uxberg and those climbs? Yeah, uh, as you said, um, um, many skiers say that uh, Vasa Lopez is really flat, but uh, as Simon said, it's a lot of hills between yeah to Riesberg and then to Evertsberg. So it's not a flat race. Of course, it's a lot of uh, flat parts, but uh, uh, for sure it's uh, hilly and you are going to get tired. <laughs> this you can say. But from um, Mångsbodarna, it's uh, maybe a transport section and then you start uh, the hills and there you have to be a kind of... Uh, yeah be aware of other skiers, what they are doing. So <coughs> I li- I really like the, this uh, part of the, the race. So uh, maybe it's the best part, I think. So it's a really good nature, good skiing. Uh, you have hills, um, downhills, flat parts. So I really like this part. Since we are now talking about Vasa Lopez, now for a lot of people, they're still out there when we're looking out the window, a lot of people coming uh, to the finish uh, as we speak. Uh, Kind of the preparations that you guys went through before the, the kind of the eating, training, and kind of you could share uh, with the, the, the audience. You know, there are a lot of people out there listening to this, thinking, "Oh, I would like love to do that," or "I would love to, be, you know, better myself," you know, next time around. So, what are you kind of sort of your tips? Well, it's uh, first of all, it's Vasalop. Uh, it's a long race, uh, and you can see it today. Like the, the lead skiers, they are out there for almost four and a half hours. So. I think that if you want to have a good experience uh, doing the Vasalop, I think it's important that you have to do uh, some training and some long training sessions. Uh, and for sure, it's uh, even though it's it's not flat, uh, it's uh, it's a lot of double pulling. Uh, and even though you you use kick wax, you have to do a lot of double pulling. So I think. To get a good experience as possible, you need to to prepare yourself for that uh, with some with some long training sessions, and you know do some double pulling, and you know try to to build up some strength in your uh, in your upper body uh, because that's I think that's the the most important thing here. It's not the it's not the capacity like the VO two max that's the most important thing here. It's you know you need to, to have the stamina to to be able to ski for ninety kilometers. But still, today we had a VO2 max guy. Who yeah, won. yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think for the recreational skiers here, it's uh, it's not the the VO2 capacity that's that's the most important thing. It's um, you know you need to be able to to ski for a long time, and uh, I would recommend if you if you really want uh, you know to 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 have a good experience here and to to prepare as well as possible to you know try some roller skiing in the summer. Uh, if you had the opportunity to do that and want to try that one out, if you don't do it already, uh, because I think that's the that's the most specific training you can you can do for this race. And Jürgen, what's kind of your advice? Uh, I can say uh, I agree with Simon, of course, and uh, I think uh, it's a long race, so you have to do some long sessions. And uh, of course, roller skiing is good uh, in the summer, so you can train. Yeah more specific but i also think uh, the closer you get to the Vasa Loppet or the race you are uh, racing you can be more specific in the training i think maybe in the summer you can run more you can make other activities but uh, uh, like january february uh, closer to race then you have to be more specific and uh, long um, sessions is uh, really good but then also if you want to go faster you want to be uh, like elite skiers or um, yeah, in the top 500 then you have to train uh, more capacity, more intervals and then you have uh, the next step but if you want to yeah, if you can say just doing the Vasaloppet it's not necessary to really push the limit it's more to yeah be out for long sessions and get uh, the body used to 
to long training sessions, you can say. You really pushed the limit, you pushed the envelope pretty much, but what made you so great? I mean, you said earlier, you did all kinds of things, you know, regular skiing, the traditional skiing, biathlon, and then suddenly you kind of found your niche, you know, in, in long distance and won this race three times. Well, it's hard to say, but I think from the um, from young age, I did a lot of different sports. I uh, mainly played uh, football. I played bandy, um, badminton. Do you say that in English? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. a little bit track and field, and a uh, lot of stuff. Uh, not necessarily skiing. It was maybe growing uh, later. So I was really doing, I think, a lot of training, but. Uh, just for fun, you trained a lot, but you didn't know that you trained, <laughs> you can say. So <clears throat> I think I I, um, I made a good ground there. I learned to uh, how to move your body in a good way, <laughs> if you can say. Um, and uh, this I have, um, um, yeah, it was good for my later career as a skier, I can say where you can have a quite good technique and skiing uh, yeah, quite easy, if you can say that. Um, and uh, then I think I was also not the best sprinter, but I had some podiums in, in, uh, in uh, World Cup in sprint, and I did some uh, 50K, was not bad. So I was maybe good at many distances. So it was not a big surprise that I could do quite good in long distance races. So I think I'd done good in the whole spectra, if you say, in, in different sections of my career. But uh, if you see Seaman also, he's a um, complete skier. Uh, he's good at uh, every part of the different skiing arenas. Except he hasn't mastered. I didn't master my puzzle a bit. No, not as well as Jürgen. Uh, but I think one of your one of your strengths were the was the technique. Uh, I think you were. I, I remember that when you won the races in ten, eleven, and twelve. That uh, your di diagonal technique is is so smooth, and you were able to you know use your use your legs much more than many of the other skiers. Um, uh, and in that way, maybe save some save save some of your energy in the in the upper body for the you know the last ten fifteen kilometers. Uh, because I remember when I was uh, when I was on the team with Anders and Jürgen. Uh, Jürgen for sure he was no fan of kickbacks at all, uh, especially after uh, you know maybe two thousand eleven twelve. Uh, but also Anders he was. I think Jürgen, he was he was better than us in uh, you know being able to to take advantage of the kickbacks uh, in these long races, and it's often you know when you use kickbacks in Vasilop, it's uh, the, the distance is so long uh, and the conditions can be quite different from the start and in when you come into the end here. So it's to be able to have good skis all on ninety kilometers. That's that's really difficult. But I think Jürgen, he was he was really good of know using the using the kickbacks all the way till the end uh and in that way you are you're able to save your upper body and at least your arms uh a lot more than if you have to you know double pull you know almost all the way so Jürgen, since you weren't that good at you know diagonal striding so how was it kind of the transition from that to uh, double pulling which you did uh, at the end of your career yeah, uh, I like the diagonal, uh, so I'm uh, maybe old skier, <laughs> but uh, you have to follow the development of the yeah the skiing. So it was a natural step, I think, in the career. So, but I think in uh, it should be possible uh, still in the Vasaloppet if you uh, find the right ski, wax in the right way, you can uh, be really high up in the result list with the kick wax, this I'm sure of, but uh, now it's the development of the double polling is uh, really taking off and um, yeah, the, the skiers today is so strong and can still have the power in the arms uh, after 89 kilometers so it's a natural step I think and now you're running your own team, uh, the, the, the team, the team, the team Igne, and we talked about Klaus Nilsson, who performed so well today. But how has that been, you know, just to be the, kind of the team captain after your own career? You just quite, quite recently. 
Yeah, it was uh, today was a great race from the skiers in Team Igne, and I have to say it's not my team. I'm uh, only the team manager, but uh, it's a different experience to be uh, on the other side. It's the first year. Uh, I'm in Mora and Sälen and not racing. So, but uh, it was also quite uh, good this morning when it was snowing. It was, yeah, I was not. Uh, I, I will not uh, race, <laughs> so uh, it was quite good to be standing and feeding the skiers. So, uh, but uh, it's really fun to have uh, be in the circuit a little bit. So and try to give back to the skiers um, in the team and try to develop them, and um, also in the future to uh, make them even faster. I know it's always difficult to kind of evaluate or, or criticize or you know your, yourself. But what do you think is the kind of the, your best uh, contribution to your team? I think maybe it's to uh, to bring the spirit maybe and to uh, not maybe in specific way to train, but to bring the uh, what can you say uh, the whole package, if you say, uh, of uh, being a skier. It's all from uh, Training, sleeping, uh, you have your ordinary life, if you can say so. And uh, it's not only the training who is yeah, tough, it's the, the whole living, you can say, to be a top athlete. So maybe it's uh, this kind of thinking I can bring to, to my team. And that's certainly bearing fruit, as we uh, saw today. Uh, back to the, today's race. So then... Uxbury, after Evetsbury, the long downhill section, they go underneath the road, and that's kind of pretty much after that when the the, the, the climbs, the, the toughest climbs uh, besides the first one, uh, begin. And again, we saw some action uh, in today's race. Yeah, well, we can see that uh, the breakaway. Uh, some of the guys in the breakaway got tired in the in the uphills uh, before Oxberg. Uh So we got uh, that was became a smaller group with uh, it was I think it was Joel Tele and Antolaf uh, Sjusta who were the were the strongest guys there. Uh, and a bit surprisingly, we saw that uh, Petter he got uh, got a gap from uh, from the rest of the bunch uh, up there, uh, and Stian Hulgor was the only guy that was able to to follow him. Uh, so they stu- those two got away there, uh, and I must say that was a little bit surprised to see that nobody else would uh, would follow them. Uh, so those two they caught up with um, with Joatera um, and, and Sista in the in the lead, and they formed a group of four, uh, and then we got, had a. Uh, Turd and uh, Klaus uh, chasing behind them, uh, and uh, after a while, uh, you know, uh, Tela and Sjusta, of course, were a bit more tired than uh, Elias and Holger, so they got dropped. And uh, Sjusta, he was able to to follow Jardalen uh, and, uh, and Nilsson, so that was that was a really strong performance by him. Uh, but I, I must say, I was a little bit surprised to see that. Uh, that nobody else was able to, you know, follow the pace uh, up Lundbeck's Bakkerna uh, because, you know, the conditions were tough for the guys in the front with uh, with the snow in the tracks. And even though they had regroomed much of the tracks, there was still a bit, little bit of snow. And I think it was uh, was a little bit of a disadvantage to to be the first skier in the track. So, yeah, I think uh, I think both uh, Hulgor and uh, Eliasen they were they were strong today, and definitely they were the strongest gears so but um i think that was uh, the last uh, 30 kilometers they were uh, really interesting with uh, you know those two guys uh, in the lead and we had uh, the three or four guys chasing them uh, they they kept uh, the gap quite stable for you know almost the entire time around 35 40 seconds uh, both group workings together <laughs> uh, and for sure when we had both team kuteng and team ragda with strong guys in you know both groups uh, it was uh, no need for them to be working in the in the third chasing group where we had the rest of the favorites with Nygård and uh, Emil Passion was there for a while and Max Novak. Uh, so it was. Uh, no, I think the the last I think the last thirty kilometers from Oxberg were um, were interesting. And also the downhill from Evetsberg, that's where Lina Kuskren was able to get a gap, you know, uh, over uh, uh, Britta because they were together when they were approached Evetsberg. And Britta said, you know, after after that she had lost some time there because about a minute or so. Uh, uh, and that was pretty much w- when that happened. Yeah, that's where she opened the gap to Britta. And uh, as we could see, in the, we saw the 
on the pictures in Lundbergsbakkerne, you could see that Lina, she was she was really strong. Uh, her technique up there, uh, that impressed me. Uh, we can see that it, she was, you know, compared to the to the men she was racing with, she looked, I would say she looked uh, the strongest. Um, so the gap down to the Britta only grew from, uh, from Oxberg and uh, all the way to the finish line. And, uh, you know, as we said before, that was, she was definitely the strongest uh, women out there today. Speaking of uh, amazing uh, female performances, so Jürgen, should you guys also have a really strong female skier for next year? Uh, we have Sofia who raced today, and uh, but um, she is uh, in the first year doing some of the races, so she is not focusing uh, total on long distance. She is also doing some shorter races, but uh, I think it's good for the sport, make it bigger. Uh, the women need uh, good teams to uh, develop and uh, make um, yeah good training together. So it's a um, natural step, I think, um, and also a good way to make it bigger, I think, in, in general and uh, total to the Vismaski Classic. Yeah, aren't you impressed by you know the, the performance capacity that they have today, like uh, Lena and and uh, Prita? It's pretty amazing how fast they can go nowadays. Uh, it's uh, really impressive. In it's um, high, high uh, performance of the skiing we can see, and um, they have um, been in the front for the development. You can say uh, both, uh, of course, Britta, but also Lina, I think. And uh, as Simon said, uh, this performance today is uh, really high quality. So it's uh, really impressive. And then the last part of the race, of course, the, the, the hills. Then we get to Högberg, and after that, it's pretty much flat. But it's a tough, tough part. Yeah, it's uh, it's mostly flat, but it's a tough part because uh, when it's flat, there are no downhills either. So it's uh, there are no time for rest there. So uh, if you're tired there, it's uh, it's uh, no way to recover. Uh, and as we could see on the on the pictures today, we saw that uh, both groups uh, were working together very well. Um, we were maybe expecting Petter to make a move uh, before he came to the to the last kilometer to get uh, to drop Stian because on the paper Stian is a is a better sprinter than than Petter, uh, but that didn't happen. And um, I think Petter he also knew that it's it's something else sprinting after ninety kilometers uh, than it is after thirty or forty. And also this time since there were only the two of them, both of them had to work really hard all the all you know the last thirty kilometers. So. I think maybe Petter, he knew that he might have a chance, uh, even though it ended up in a sprint. And we could see when they come into the to the last three, four hundred meters here that it, it looked like he had a, a clear tactic. Uh, he wanted to stay in the back of Stian, and uh, he also gave him a couple of meters, like he said on the interview on TV, to you know to build up some speed and uh, you know take him in the on the other tractor. So I think it was. Uh, it was a really good uh, tactical performance by Petter uh, those last two, three hundred meters, and he also showed it uh, showed us that it's uh, it's uh, not about how fast you are uh, when it comes to a sprint in Vasilopa, but it's about how much power you have left. Uh, that's that's important, and uh, we also saw that uh, you know the group with uh, Nilsson and Jardal and Sjöstad were working working well together, and I must say I'm a little bit surprised that the two left took that third place. After being in a in the breakaway for so many kilometers, uh, but um, he was strong, and I would say he deserved that uh, that third podium uh, podium place. Even though I think Tud was also also chasing that one after I think he, he he's never been on the podium here in Vasilopa, but he's won so many other races, so he's definitely chasing those uh, those podium places here. But um, indeed, and then Jurgen. You saw your team team uh, mate there, you know. The, and did you give any kind of a tips for him, or what, what did you say to him when uh, towards the end? We didn't say that much. Uh, we were screaming, "Just go and uh, <laughs> go as fast it, as you can, and uh, uh, do not be satisfied." That's uh, I think the most important in this uh, situation because Klasi uh, was uh, yeah, in top five for the first time and uh, was looking for a podium place. And then maybe you can be a little bit laid back or ah, this is a good place, number five. But uh, you have to fight all the way. Now he was number five, but uh, I think he was giving everything, as you can see 
at the finish line. He was falling uh, in the snow. So I think he was giving everything and he did a great performance. So, But it, it's uh, I think it's important for the coaches also to coach uh, at the end in the right way, in a positive way. And uh, not necessarily... Um, uh, that you say the right words. It's more like uh, <laughs> you have the right feeling when you say say something. Maybe I didn't do it. Yeah, I have to talk to class. Maybe I said some wrong thi- things. But uh, it's important to coach them a lot uh, at the end. But also that they uh, also are prepared mentally by themselves to really fight and go all the way. So it's um, also a thing, not only training, you have to train the mental uh, strength also. So, yeah. Yeah, We always talk about the physical capacity, but it's a mental capacity as well, particularly when we do long races like this. Uh, The women's race towards the end was kind of clear cut, of course, the last 20K. Yeah, it was. Uh, I would say there was uh, the gaps between the the ladies. They were they were quite big. So, uh, I don't think it was ever any doubt that Lena would take home this victory. Uh, and it was also quite clear that Britta would become second. But we saw that Katarina Schmutt now, she was gaining a little bit time on uh, on Britta in the last last part. But uh, I think Britta had quite good control there uh so it was uh, the excitement in the women's race was not as big as in in the men's race but um you know all the three ladies in the top three there they they delivered uh, really strong performances and uh i think it's when you see that you know lena she's uh, she's top 60 60 in the total uh so you you can imagine how strong those uh, those girls are um and uh you know she was I think she she crossed the finish line uh, at the same time as Ilya Chenusov, uh, and I would say he's a pretty good skier. Indeed. So uh, today's race was certainly uh, one to remember. Uh, but next, uh, let's take a look at the uh, the standings and today's results. So the results for uh, the men's race in today's Vasalope was um, Petr Eliasson first from Team Ragda Eindom, uh, ahead of Stian Holgor, second place from Team Kuteng. Third place was Tulev Sista, also Team Kuteng. Uh, in fourth place, we had Tord Ashtijaron, Team Ragda Eindom. Uh, in fifth place, Klaus Nilsson from Team Igne. And in sixth place, we had Andreas Nygård from Team Ragda Eindom as well. And then the women's side of things. And in the women's race, as we have said before, we had uh, Lina Koshgren taking her second victory in Vasaloppe for Team Ramuden. Uh, she won before in front of Britta Johansson-Norgren from Lager 157 ski team. And in third place, we had Katarina Schmutna from Ed System Bauer team. In fourth place, we have uh, Ida Dahl, also from Team Ramuden. Uh, and in fifth place, it's Kari Vikagnjaitnes from Team Kuteng. And in sixth place, it's Laila Kveli, former champion in Vasaloppe from Team Encom. Really good race uh, from her. You know, she is a former, former two-time time winner. So really yeah, good race from her, her best this performance time around. From her this year, in, indeed. And next, uh, let's take a look at the standings, and you can see and read the best, the three best of each category. Yeah, we have the um, in the overall competition for the men, the men champion. We have Andreas Nygård uh, in the lead from Team Ragda Eindom. Um, with a total of 1,195 points. Uh, number two is Tudas Liardal, uh, also Team Ragda Eindom. He has a total of 1,090 points. And number three is uh, Stian Holgor from Team Kuteng uh, with uh, 1,055 points. And in the women uh, women's competitions, uh, we have uh, Britta Johansson-Norgren, from Lager 157 ski team um, with a total of 1,445 points. Uh, she has the lead before Kari Vikagnjaitnes from Team Kuteng uh, with a total of 1,295 points. And number three, uh, also number three in the race today, is Katarina Schmutna from Ed System Bauer team with 1,160 points. And uh, then we have the... The first race today in the Wisman Nordic Trophy. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's uh, Petre Liasen uh, who leads that competition with 200 points in front of Stian Holgor uh, with 170 points. And then Tudaj Sista is number three there with 150 points. 
And in the women's Nordic trophy, it's Lina Koshgren with 200 points in front of Britta Johansson-Nurgren with 170 points and Katarina Schmutna in third place with 150 points. And then we have the sprint competition uh, or we have the youth competition for the men. Uh, we have Max Novak, who was number nine today from Team Ramuden, uh, who's leading that competition with 786 points. Uh, but he's only 29 points ahead of uh, Emil Passion from uh, Lager 157 ski team. So it's, uh, it's a tight fight there. And number three is uh, Tulev Sista with 456 points. Um, in the women's category, we have uh, Ida Dahl leading that competition from Team Ramuden. With a total of 934 points. Um, she has a lead uh, in front of her teammate, Jenny Larsson, uh, who has uh, 707 points. And only five points behind her, we have Thea Krukanmuru from Team Ragde Eindom. So it's a cli- close fight there for the, for the youth bib. And in the men's sprint competition, as we had talked about earlier today, we have Stian Berg. Uh, who caught a total of 100 points today. So he has a lead there with 324 points. And that's exactly 100 points ahead of Max Novak from Team Ramuden. And in third position, we have Oscar Cardin from Team Ragde Eindam, who didn't race today with a total of 180 points. And in the sprint competition for the women, uh, we have Lina Koshgren, who took over the green jersey today uh, by a total of three points uh, in front of Britta Johansson-Norgren. So they have, uh, Lina has 186 points, while uh, Britta, she has 183 points. In third place in that competition, we have Astrid Röschlin from Team Kuteng with 115 points. Uh, in the climbs competition, for the men, we have uh, Morten Eide-Pedersen from Team Kaffebryggeria. Uh, he has a quite solid lead there with 370 point, 72 points. Uh, number two is Andreas Holmberg from Lager 157 ski team. He has 199 points. So, as we can see, Morten has a quite a clear lead there before the last three races. And in third place, we have today's winner, uh, Peter Eliasson with 173 points. And in the climb competition for the women, we have uh, Britta Johansson-Nurgren uh, with quite a clear lead there as well, with 209 points. She's ahead of Astrid Schlin with 138 points. And in third place there, we have today's winner, Lina Koshgren, with 122 points. And in the pro team competition, it's, um, it's quite tight there between the three first teams. We have uh, Team Ragde Eindam in the lead after today's race with 1,470 points. And in second place, it's Lager 157 ski team with 1,365 points. And in third place, only 10 points behind, we have Team Koteng. So it will be a hard fight there before the last three races in the Wisma Ski Classics. So those are the standings at this stage after Vasalope. And when we are heading towards Sabirkebeinerenet, as you mentioned, we have still have three races left. And all of you out there, if you have any questions, requests, you can always send us an email. And the address is podcast at skiclassics.com. Once again, podcast at uh, skiclassics.com. But next, we'll hear uh, some interesting words uh, from Britta Johansson-Nugren, who actually finished second today. Sign up for my pages on vismaskiclassic.com and join me on global ranking system for all long-distance skiers. Get your results in one place, challenge your friends and yourself. My name is Britta Jansson-Urgen. Let's create a world of long-distance skiing. The next race, Birkebeinerennet. If Vasalopet is a classic one, of course, that is a classic one, and particularly in your country, Seaman, uh, in Norway, correct? Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, I think, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but it's definitely one of the biggest uh, ski races in Norway. And uh, it's a totally different race from what we've seen today with much more uh, up and and down where we have to pass over, is it two, three mountains? Uh, So it's it's a shorter race, but it's, uh, you know, more of a capacity race. So for me, it's, uh, I always enjoy that race much more than I, I've done with Valsaropa. So it's, it's definitely one of my favorite races. What about you, Jürgen? You've done the race as well. Yeah, I did it several times and uh, I think I was second as best, but 
I also like the Birkebeine. It's a good atmosphere. It's a great race um, over the mountains, as uh, Simon said. And uh, it's also uh, quite... It's different race from Vasaloppet. It's more capacity when you can go diagonal stride. And uh, But nowadays, the top athletes is uh, doing the double pulling also there. So, But uh, it's a great race. And um, you have to use other capacities i done the race myself once but it was 1990 so it's a long time ago maybe i should do, do that one more time <laughs> i think you should i think you should i think it's uh it's a really nice race but of course that's because I, i've done well there uh sometimes and uh, i like those hard races you know where the you have to have the good capacity to you know be able to, to stay in the lead there so Maybe I'll do it this year as well. We'll have to see. And uh, your team, how will they do a perform? Uh, Klaus Nielsen, will, will he be ready and as good as he was today? I hope so. If uh, he is not too tired after today's Vasaloppet. But this three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he will recover, I think. But uh, I think um, we're not sure how many skiers who will do Birkebeinen, but uh, I think Klaus uh, will race uh, for sure. And uh, the other guys, we see... But um, I think now with the fifth place, he will uh, be uh, highly motivated to make a good performance in Birkebeinen. And the Birkebeinen is, of course, on Saturday, March 21st. And the women will start 15 minutes before. It is a bit different from Vasalopet, of course. And the men will start at 8 o'clock, women at 7.45. And those times are local times, which is, of course, Central European time. So that's Birkebeinen in three weeks or so. Thank you guys for being here. Jürgen, thank you very much. And good luck to your team. I think, you know, Klaas Nielsen, he will be the one to watch out for, correct? Of course he will. Uh, he is really having a boost, I think, today. So we're very happy and motivated and looking forward to next races. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. And please send us an email, questions, requests. Uh, again, that address is uh, uh, podcast at skiclassics.com. Thank you for listening and we'll be back at Birkebeinerrennet. Have a good day. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.